Hey y'all, welcome back to Healthy and Then Happy, where anything goes, but I mainly talk about the importance of prioritizing your overall health, nutrition, and training in order to live your happiest life every day. Today, the main topic is why you should prioritize your health and how to do it. I thought that the first real episode of this podcast, I wanted to kick it off with kind of explaining the main purpose behind the podcast title and kind of one of my biggest and one of the things that I'm most passionate about promoting in my life and on my platforms and all over social media where I promote information. I wanted to kind of just start the whole podcast off with the very first episode being one of the most important topics that I'm going to cover and a lot of the things I'm going to hit in this podcast I'll cover more in depth later but I wanted to give just a broad overview of you know the importance of prioritizing your health as well as the impacts of that on your mental health which can result in whether or not you're actually happy in your life and then also just some tips on how to do that a little bit of a step-by-step and the importance of and a lot of the basic things and habits that you should be implementing into your life every single day in order to live your healthiest and happiest life. So I also want to add that I do not have my microphone yet. I decided I was going to go ahead and record this first episode today. Today's Tuesday. I'm going to post this on Thursday, I believe. I may switch it to Wednesdays. I'm trying to decide which day is going to be the best for me to regularly post because I know it's probably not going to be perfectly consistent starting off the podcast, but eventually I want to have where I've got one day a week where I'm uploading every single week. So it's pretty consistent and steady. Still kind of trying to just like hash those things out. But yeah, I actually listened to the podcast yesterday, the pilot episode, and I don't think the microphone quality was that bad. And I'm literally just recording on my computer's like built-in microphone. Definitely be better when I have a microphone, but other than kind of getting just like feedback from things going on in the house, I I don't think the sound is that bad. Y'all let me know if it's completely horrible, but I mean, I should be getting my microphone in this week. But anyway, just to kind of jump into the topic, I'm going to start by explaining the basic duh reasons of why you should prioritize your health. These are Like I said, pretty obvious. They're kind of the duh reasons. I mean, everyone's going to tell you these things about why it's important to be healthy. First, it reduces your risk of disease. This is an obvious one, but yeah, living a healthier life significantly reduces diseases. I'll actually reference a study from Harvard and If I ever reference a study just for future, I'll try to link every single study that I reference in the description of the podcast because I think that'd be helpful to not just be spouting off facts to you guys and y'all being like, where the heck did you get that? So there was a Harvard study where the participants were instructed to practice five healthy habits, follow a healthy diet, which that's subjective in my opinion. And I would love to actually read more into what the diet protocol that was in place was for this study because I think that'd be just interesting to kind of um, add on to the validity of the study and know what they consider a healthy diet like did they just tell them like go eat healthy or you know was there some type of protocol in place but um anyway the second factor was exercising regularly third maintain healthy body weight four limiting not eliminating but just limiting alcohol consumption and five not smoking which y'all don't even want to hear my opinion on smoking maybe i'll dive into that later in another podcast episode but those were the five factors that were in the study And the results were based on those who practiced just four out of those five habits. It resulted in men and women living an average of 33 more years free of diabetes, cardiovascular diseases, and cancer than those who practiced none of these habits. I think it was a pretty obvious thing for me just to say, obviously, living a healthier life reduces your risk of disease. But there's a little (laughs) fact from a study if, if you guys needed something to base that off of. And that's only practicing four to five habits. Another reason you should prioritize your health is it helps you 
have the ability to maintain a healthier weight. Maintaining a healthier weight is also going to lower your risk of disease, like I mentioned just before. Also, maintaining a healthier weight is going to impact your mental health. So obviously being happier with your body image. I don't think many people who are maintaining an extremely unhealthy weight are very happy with their body image. And I think that that is something that impacts mental health a lot. I can definitely dive deeper into that another time, body image and mental health. That's not really a topic I had planned for this podcast, but it is a factor there. Also living a healthier life and prioritizing your health has impact on your metabolic rate and your metabolic health, which will allow you to maintain a desired body weight more easily. Then the third factor of why you should prioritize your health is improving your overall energy levels. So obviously having more energy to do the things that you enjoy doing throughout the day is so important. I think it goes without saying that not having the energy to get out of bed every day is absolutely awful. And I think we've all had those days. And I think a lot of the time you can kind of trace that back to the things that you're putting into your body and the way that you're treating yourself and the lifestyle that you're living. Obviously we all have those days. We wake up sick. We don't feel good. We don't want to get out of bed. But it goes beyond just that because having those days is horrible, but also not feeling run down from doing everyday activities is so important. If you've got to do something that day that's just slightly out of the ordinary, like that day you've got to go grocery shopping and it completely wears you down and you're exhausted from doing that, then you need to take a step back and realize maybe I'm not living the healthiest life that I could be living because those are everyday activities that should not be exhausting you. You should be able to do all the basic things that you might need to do day to day, but also I like to think about things like in the future. I know I'm only 22 years old, but something I think about is like, I always want to live a healthy life into even growing older and having kids. My mom always lived a super healthy life. And I, I think about if, what if she was one of those people that was super lazy, that never prioritized her health whatsoever. And when she came to something like my elementary school field day, where it's just a bunch of kids running around and there's parent chaperones and they're having a great time. Like if that was something that completely wore her down and she was at the point where she gets home and she's like, has to lay down, she can't do anything the rest of the day. That's a disappointing thing from a parent a parent not being able to keep up with their kid, go to their sporting events and be around for those things because of their health. And obviously I'm not talking about diseases or sick parents or something like that. I'm talking about just not having the energy to do those things with your kids. That's that's something that's terrifying to me. I never want to live that life. Also, like if your friends want to go on a hike and you're like completely exhausted, you can't even keep up with them. I mean, I think just living a healthy lifestyle, being able to do things. I mean, how discouraging would that be to not be able to do a day-to-day activity, like go to the lake with your friends because you're just like completely exhausted like you do one thing and then you you can't hang that night you don't have the energy to do anything so I just think improving your overall energies is an important thing that comes with prioritizing your health another thing the fourth duh reason of why you should prioritize your health is it leads to better mental health and this is something that I really want to dive into later have a really deep discussion on I might save the impact of physical health on mental health discussion for my next podcast changes in your diet supplementation overall physical health are usually more important factors in improving your mental health than medication. Anyway, I'm not going to go deep into that right now. I think I could do a whole podcast episode on that, but I believe that prioritizing your physical health is so much more important than medication and things that doctors will typically tell you to do for your mental health. But anyway, when you're healthier, you're going to feel better. You're going to feel happier. You're going to feel more positive. So this is actually from a study from the Mental Health Foundation. One in three people with long-term physical health conditions also struggle 
struggle with mental health. That same study also shows that many people struggling with mental health also have a preventative physical health condition. Clearly, the correlation between the two is no secret. I believe that the road goes both ways for that. People with poor mental health often struggle with poor physical health and vice versa because symptoms of depression, anxiety, ADHD, many other mental health and things that people struggle with can spill over into a lack of motivation to prioritize healthy lifestyles because Trust me, it is much easier, especially in the society that we live in that promotes fast food and Little Debbie cakes. You know, I mean, when you're sitting at your TV, the amount of commercials that I see for pharmaceutical products, which again, I'm not going to get into this right now, but I could go on to about it for hours. But you see advertisements and commercials for pharmaceutical products, for fast food restaurants, for candies and soft drinks. And that's all that you see. Anyway, It is much easier in the society that we live in to live an unhealthy lifestyle. Anyway, I also believe that physical health can spill over a lot into your mental health when we have nutrient deficiencies, hormone imbalances, lack of hydration, lack of sleep, lack of basic sunlight. (laughs) There are so many factors that affect our body that we completely throw out of whack when we don't treat it right and our chemicals are imbalanced in our brain. Like our our chemicals in our brain are so sensitive to a lot of those external factors. Those are the four reasons that you should prioritize your health that I had written down is reducing the risk of disease, the ability to maintain a healthier weight, improve your overall energy levels, and improve your mental health. But I think it goes beyond that and I think it also goes without saying some of these are super obvious. Uh, I didn't even really hit on it but the way that living a healthier lifestyle can impact your sleep and your recovery and all those things. A lot of the time people who are not living the healthiest lifestyle don't really even care about sleep and recovery and things like that. So anyway, I'll go into that a little more in depth later. But if all that's not enough, think about your future kids, think about your future family, think about your parents. Another thing that I actually like to tell myself is that I should be eating the way that I would feed my parents or my kids, knowing all the information that I know about food and nutrition and overall health. So when I consume something that I know is bad for me, I try to tell myself, like would I want my mom who I care a lot about her health and longevity my mom has MS and her health is something that could at any point pretty much decline but I I care a lot about my parents and their health and I care about my future kids and their health and knowing the things that I know about some food some nutrition some just like are those things that I would put into someone that I love's body and if not should I put them into mine that's just an important thing to add that I think about a lot Um, And I wanted to kind of throw that in there. But next, I'm going to dive into what you should do to prioritize your health. Not necessarily a step-by-step, but basically crafting a protocol of the most important things and the most important factors for living a healthy lifestyle. I'm going to discuss six main points for my protocol and my how-to guide of living a healthy lifestyle. Those six points are movement and exercise, hydration, nutrition, sleep, sunlight, and limiting destructive decisions. So I'm going to go into depth on each one of these points, but I just wanted to kind of highlight those before I jump into it. First, to hit on the importance of movement and exercise in living a healthy lifestyle, I kind of have a little bit of a structured process protocol that I've put together. Some of it is based on things that I learned when working on my personal trainer certification. Some of it put together based on some studies I've read, but a lot 
lot of it is based on actually listening to Huberman Lab podcast. He will tell you about a very, very similar fitness protocol that he recommends as far as the base structure to it. And I wanted to just kind of relay that information to you guys. The first point of it is to have 150 to 200 minutes a week of zone two cardio. Your zone two cardio is going to be cardio that is very moderate in intensity level. So you're going to be sitting at around 60 to 75 percent of your maximum heart rate in this time. That cardio level where you can still carry on a conversation while you're doing it. You could be talking on the phone while you're doing it. It's not intense cardio and it doesn't always have to be planned. This could be taking your dog for a walk, going for a walk, going for a hike. If you're on your feet all day at work, walking back and forth, back and forth. I used to be a server at a restaurant. I was doing zone two cardio pretty much all day long. A question that I ask a lot of my clients when they first come on and it's, I ask them and tell me a little bit about themselves and kind of what they do and what their day-to-day looks like. So their day-to-day is really important to me in how I do their programming. So if it's someone that uh, sedentary all day long, they sit at a desk all day, they don't do much movement, they don't do much walking, they don't get a lot of steps in throughout the day, I'm going to be programming them cardio or telling them to go on a walk every day or setting a step count in their program of some sort. Most, I would say majority of my clients are some are definitely hitting somewhere between the 150 to 200 minutes a week of zone two cardio. And like I said, it doesn't have to be scheduled. Like you don't have to go in and say, okay, after my workout, I'm going to do 45 minutes of cardio. Um, This is kind of a separate thing. So for me, I go for a walk every morning with my dogs. Um, It usually lasts somewhere between 30 to 45 minutes. And that would be considered zone two cardio. So in order to get 150 to 200 minutes a week, that upper range of 200 is going to have to be about 30 minutes per day. And 150 is going to be about 20 minutes. But like I said, the goal is 150 to 200 minutes a week. Me personally, I typically get that in each day. I do about a 30 minute walk a day. That's super important. And another way to kind of keep up with that is just keeping your steps high, 10,000 steps a day, something like that. This is basically just the recommendation to get moving. First point on the recommended training protocol, zone two cardio, 150 to 200 minutes a week. Point two is two to four cardio sessions a week that are separate from your zone two cardio. So this could be, I'm going to go in and I lift four times a week, but at least two times after each workout, I'm going to do a cardio session. I'm going to walk on a treadmill on incline for 20 minutes. Obviously for endurance athletes, you're going to want to increase this, but I would say for the average person, you want to be somewhere in that range. For me, I'm a power lifter and a lot of power lifters talk about how they just, they don't do any cardio. So I don't do much cardio after my workouts but a lot of the time my walks that I do with my dog after I put them up I go on my own walk and I increase my intensity because obviously I'm not having to make sure that the dog is keeping up with me or something like that the recommendation is two to four cardio sessions per week that are separate from your zone two cardio and the third recommendation in the protocol is to have two to four strength training sessions per week regardless of if you're a power lifter or a strength athlete everyone should be doing some type of strength and resistance training this could be body weight it could be using weights, it could be using resistance bands, but some type of resistance or strength training two to four times a week. So like I said, with my clients, I often 
ask them what their movement is like, what their day-to-day is like. And if someone tells me, like I I have a client who walks to and from the gym every day. It's a 30-minute walk to the gym, a 30-minute walk back. So I don't program her any cardio because she's definitely getting in her amount of zone two cardio. She's on campus for school. She's walking to classes each day and she didn't want any cardio programs. So I don't program cardio for her. She gets in her zone two cardio. She gets in a higher intensity cardio session on her walk to and from the gym. And then she trains and lifts four days a week. So that gets in her range of two to four strength training sessions per week. I mentioned that your zone two sessions don't have to happen every single day. And obviously since the recommendation is a certain amount of minutes per week, it can be spread out a little bit. But personally, one thing that I recommend is to get moving every single day. I just feel that is most beneficial to get moving every single day. I'm not saying that you have to go do a high intensity interval training workout every single day and get your heart rate up to 80% of your maximum heart rate every single day. But I do think that getting moving every single day is extremely important for your physical health as well as your mental health. And obviously, as far as the exercise protocol goes, everyone is different in their training goals. Um, Some people may prefer yoga. Some people train like bodybuilders. Some people train for powerlifting. There's strength athletes, endurance athletes. There's, you know, actual (laughs) sports out there with a ball and training for that is way different than what I do in powerlifting. So I'm not going to sit here and just tell you an exact lifting protocol, at least not for, for overall health. I think that you need to find something that's a physical activity that you really love and you really enjoy, something that you have the motivation to get up and do every day, commit to it, stick to it, push yourself in those workouts so that you can see the maximum amount of benefits. Obviously, you don't have to be in the shape of being able to run a 5k to be considered in shape and physically fit and healthy. But I think if you can't walk up a flight of stairs without being out of breath, maybe you should start doing some sort of endurance training. Maybe you should incorporate going on short runs or doing the stair stepper at the gym, walking for a longer time on an incline on treadmill at the gym or something like that, going for walks every day. The basic acts of getting out of bed is difficult for you. You don't have the core strength to sit up in your bed. You can't walk upstairs without being out of breath. You can't play with your dog in the yard. You can't do basic things without feeling like you're completely and totally out of shape. I don't care if you're a power lifter and you feel like, oh, I'm fine because I lift weights. If you can't do those basic things without getting out of shape or getting out of breath, you need to incorporate some type of cardiovascular training into your protocol. The next main point, this is point number two, is hydration. I feel like a lot of protocols will just say the basic, oh, drink a gallon of water a day. If you're taking creatine, drink a gallon of water a day. Drink a gallon of water a day. This, this, this. Everything tells you drink a gallon of water a day. I will tell you that I drank a gallon of water a day when I was doing 75 hard. It was very difficult for me. I am five foot one, 115 pound female. That was a lot of water. But my boyfriend, who is 200 pounds, 6'1", he did not struggle with drinking a gallon of water a day. And research actually shows that you, the amount of water that you need is actually dependent on your size and your gender. So women who are smaller need less water per day than men do. But I will say, figure out where you are. Probably need somewhere on the range of 85, 90 to 130 ounces of water per day. And that is just me throwing out a ballpark number based on different studies that I've read. I would 
say if you shoot for 100 ounces of water a day, you're getting hydrated sufficiently. For example, if you're taking creatine, you should be drinking more water than the average person or than what you were drinking before you started taking it because your cells absorb that water and you may show symptoms of being dehydrated. If you're not drinking enough water, it's also processed in your liver and your kidneys. You just need more water to, to make sure that you're getting all the benefits of creatine as well as staying healthy and not getting de dehydrated um, while taking it. If you're doing a lot of outdoor activity during the summer, you're sweating a lot, you need to be drinking more water than what's recommended. I think the thing about hydration is set your goals on something like 100 ounces of water per day, for example, um, and then adjust them based on the lifestyle choices that you're making. Just be smart about it. If you're sweating a lot, obviously, drink more water. If you're taking something that requires you to drink more water, drink more water. So obviously, you hear people talk about all the time the benefits of being hydrated and drinking enough water. They're pretty standard. Help maximize your performance, help maximize your energy levels, your brain function, helping with your digestion, helping with the function of all of your organs and your cells because everything in your body needs water. It can help with weight loss. It can help with preventing diseases and just there's lots and lots and lots of benefits of drinking enough water and being hydrated. I don't think that y'all need me to sit here and spill those off to you guys. I want to speak on personal experience and the difference that I've seen in simply increasing my water intake. So like I said, I did 75 hard. I've been done with it for about three weeks. I did it this summer. It was life-changing and I want to say that I know I said that the gallon of water a day felt like it was way too much for me. I was peeing nonstop, but drinking enough water every single day consistently without fail changed my life. My skin got better. My hair started growing better. My recovery in the gym was insane. My strength progressed a lot. My sleep was better. My energy levels were better. And this is this is all personal experience. And I'll say there's a lot of factors that came into play through 75 Hard. There was a lot of things that I changed and improved on. I improved upon my, my daily movement. I was moving a lot more every day. I was exercising more. I was eating better. My nutrition was on point. My sleep was better because I knew I had a lot of things to get done each day. So I would go to bed so that I could get up early and I could get the things done that I needed to get done with, within the day because there's a lot of things you have to check off when you're doing 75 hard. But I will say that I think a lot of it does track back to the hydration because that was a huge factor that I would say before I was not drinking nearly enough water each day. I mean, one of the only things that I drink is water. I'm not a big soda person. If I'm going to drink something other than water, it's probably going to be milk or juice of some sort, but I still was not drinking nearly enough water and drinking over 100 ounces a day, I think a gallon's 128 ounces, uh, was honestly life-changing for me. I think people hear so often the importance of drinking enough water and staying hydrated that it almost just becomes diluted in their mind that people neglect the importance importance of drinking enough water. Consistently drink 100 ounces of water per day or more and watch your life turn around. The, the improvements of being hydrated and drinking enough water are actually, it's actually crazy. Our bodies need water so, so badly. The third point I want to talk about for things that you should have incorporated into a protocol for living a healthy lifestyle is your nutrition. I think nutrition is one of the most complex topics to talk about and it's not because it's necessarily complex but because there's so much conflicting information out there that you see on TikTok that you may read about, uh, YouTube, just Instagram, Instagram from like different creators, different people, different doctors and research and everything that comes out, it seems like nutrition information is always conflicting with each other. And I think it gets to the point where it's, it's so convoluted that people just say, you know what, I give up. I don't know what to follow. Some people are telling me this. Some people are telling me this. I've seen stuff like this. I've seen you need to go on a vegan diet. Oats are bad for you, which by the way, 
that's bullcrap. All these different things. Oh, it's it's coming out that you shouldn't eat red meat. You shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do this. And it is making my head spin. It And I know it's doing the same thing to people who may not know as much about nutrition. So it's important to take a step back. And every time you see something that's like, if you scroll upon a video on TikTok, that's like new research shows that you should not be eating oats. And here's why. Please scroll past that. Oatmeal is such a healthy thing for you. It has fiber. It has so many good nutrients in it. Oatmeal is good for you. I can't remember the exact numbers. I probably should have done a little bit more research before hopping on and recording the podcast, but someone else came back to that and refuted it and said the amount of oatmeal that you would have to eat to actually receive, like have the detrimental effects of what this person is talking about that's in oatmeal is like 75 times the recommended daily serving amount of oatmeal. Like it's ridiculous. I think the whole thing that I had the biggest issue with is these people that are fear mongering and making people think that food is bad, that good, healthy, nutrient dense food is bad. There are so many bad foods. There are so many things that we should not be including in our diet. And the last thing we need to be telling people to be afraid of is nutrient dense whole foods like oatmeal or red meat. Everyone has the complete right to have preferences in their diet, to not want to include things in their diet, but we have a literal epidemic in the world of people just constantly eating fast food, junk food, filling their diets with things that are not good for them at all. Little Debbie cakes and chips and thinking that these high protein treats that you find at the gas station are actually healthy replacements for whole foods. And you want to sit here and tell people now that oatmeal is bad for you, that red meat is bad for you. I have seen people saying don't eat fruits, they're high in sugar. Those are not the things that we need to be scared of. Those are not the things we need to be avoiding. Anyway, off of my soapbox about people fear-mongering around certain foods, I'm going to give you all some of my best advice on nutrition and how I think that you should structure your meals and your day-to-day nutrition, sort of. I'm not going to tell you very many specifics because like I said, everyone's different and I'll probably do another episode where I dive much deeper into nutrition. For right now, I want to be able to tell you guys a good overview of how your nutrition should be in order to live a healthier lifestyle. And the very first thing is your meals should be structured around whole foods that are nutrient dense. So when I say this, I mean that your meals shouldn't be Pop-Tarts and cereal and chip and candy. Your meals should be things like chicken and rice and vegetables and fruits and yogurt and oatmeal and beef and fish and shrimp and, you know, real foods. You know, something I hear people say that I really like is Shop the walls of the grocery store, not the aisles. Things on the walls that are things like the meat section and the dairy section and the eggs and the vegetables and the fruits. I think that's just a very simple way to put the things that your meals should primarily be consisting of. Another thing that's extremely important, especially if you are into lifting weights or fitness and you're looking to add and maintain muscle mass, and honestly for anyone, but it's very important in what I do with powerlifting is to keep your protein high in your diet. Everyone should be eating at least one gram of protein per pound of body fat or body weight. So for me, I'm 114 pounds. I need to be at least eating 114 grams of protein, but I really eat around 140 grams of protein. So you'll see a range of one to 1.5 times your body weight. I would just say absolute minimum you every single day, no matter what, you need to get at least one gram of protein per pound of body weight. That's my recommendation and my take on protein. Another thing is you shouldn't be getting all of your protein from protein powders and protein snacks 
I've, I've seen like the high protein, like protein bars. It shouldn't be coming from things like that. And that's coming from someone who works with a supplement brand that loves the protein that her, the supplement company I work with has first form, has some of the best protein powders, best protein bars. But I'm not going to sit here and tell you that that's how you should be getting your protein in because it's not. Your protein should be coming from meats and vegetables that are high in proteins and something that I really like um, that's not a meat. I like edamame. It's very high in protein. I, I put most, I structure most of my meals around ground beef. I get lean ground beef, 90 three seven ground beef and I mix it with potatoes for a lot of my meals um, I really like chicken fish shrimp there's a lot of high protein options those are just some of the ones that I really like I really like eggs egg whites essentially you need to be getting your protein from whole food sources and like I said I'm going to do another episode where I dive deeper into the importance of macronutrients and how you should structure your carbs fats and proteins and things like that I'm not going to do that here but you also need to have carb sources and you need to have fat sources in your diet your fat sources need to be coming from healthy fat you need to be getting omega-3 and omega-6s, but omega-3s are the most important. The fats that you need in your diet are the unsaturated fats. You don't want most of your fats to be coming from saturated. Some examples of unsaturated fat are peanut butter, avocados, fatty fish such as salmon, mackerel, almonds, cashews. And as far as carbs go, the carb types that you want to go for are your whole grains, your starchy vegetables, starchy beans, fruits, vegetables, and dairy. Vegetables are a super important thing that you need to have in your diet. Fruits are a very important thing you need to have in your diet. I recommend that you keep your fiber pretty high in your diet, somewhere between 20 to 30 grams of fiber a day, and you need to be having some type of probiotic in your diet. Those are some important things for gut health that I just listed or probiotics and having fiber. I want to also touch on how to structure your meals, and obviously you don't have to structure every single meal perfectly in order to be eating whole nutrient-dense foods and meals, but a way that I like to structure my food is to have a protein source, which is usually a meat. Typically, like I said, for me, it is ground beef. I eat a lot of ground beef. And then a carb source that is like a starch, like I typically do potatoes or rice with my ground beef, and then a vegetable. So sometimes I'll chop up bell peppers and onions, throw them in. Sometimes I'll have broccoli or asparagus or green beans or something like that with my meal. A lot of people have no vegetables in their diet, and I understand some people don't like vegetables. That's when it comes into play where you need to be taking a green supplement. So don't let someone market, oh, I could I could do another podcast on this. Y'all know how I feel about this topic, but don't let someone just market a green supplement to you because it makes you skinny or it makes your bloating go away oh my gosh greens need to be a replacement for if you don't have veggies in your diet and greens are also good if they have a probiotic in the green supplement which a lot of them do first forms green supplement has a probiotic in it Um, it's great for your gut health and it can help with bloating but it's mostly a digestive aid and something to help with overall health rather than a blanket solution for bloating. So I think that pretty much covers my spiel on nutrition is stop being afraid of whole foods. I promise replacing your protein sources for protein powder and protein bars every day is worse for you than eating oatmeal and red meat. End of story. So moving on to my fourth point and suggestion for what's important for living a healthy lifestyle is sleep. So obviously you need to be getting sufficient sleep every night. It's extremely important for your brain function, for just feeling good throughout the day for recovery. I think it goes without saying sleep impacts so many factors in your life. It's recommended that you should get somewhere between seven or more hours of sleep per night. I don't have a lot of pro tips that I can sit here and just spout off about how to sleep better. 
I'm sure there's lots of podcasts out there about that. Maybe I should do some research and read more into it. All I can say is that you really need to be trying to get seven or more hours of sleep per night because sleep does impact so many different factors in your life for your physical health and your mental health. Now moving on to my fifth main point for factors that will improve and impact your overall health is getting sunlight every day. So I know this one's kind of a different point that you may not hear a lot of people mention when they talk about things that are important for your overall health, but vitamin D is something that's extremely important and I actually do recommend supplementing vitamin D if it's not already in maybe a supplement that you take. It's in my micronutrients, so I do get my vitamin D every single day. But vitamin D is something that you actually get from the sun as well. Well, you don't get it from the sun, but it allows your body to make vitamin D actually from the cholesterol that's in your cells. And it actually goes beyond that. It loads your body with vitamins, hormones, and there are studies that correlate amounts of exposure to the sun as far as like getting a certain amount of sunlight per day to lowering depression. There's so many studies that have come out that proves that seasonal depression, which is basically like feelings of experiencing depression and lacking dopamine in the colder months in the late fall and into the winter are very much real and mostly linked to the lack of sunlight and the lack of vitamin D produced in the body. So I listened to a while back actually a podcast episode by like I said I I listen to Huberman Lab podcast a lot and I listened to his episode on the importance of sunlight. I can't remember the title of it. I'll have to look it up where he talked about the importance of getting in sunlight and it was very impactful. I suggest that getting 20 minutes of exposure to sunlight in the morning. One thing that I actually recommend that I think would be great for anyone to do is going for a 20 minute walk every morning outside because there's so many benefits just to being outdoors. One of those being that you can get access to sunlight that gives you 20 minutes of sunlight exposure and also would count towards your zone two cardio for the day. So getting out, getting moving every morning first thing can have significant impacts on your health. And my sixth point to factors that will improve your overall health is limiting destructive decisions. I didn't really know what I wanted to call this, but this is kind of the sum of things like alcohol and smoking or vaping or pulling all-nighters, staying up late, staying in relationships that are bad for your mental health, that are destroying you and causing you to stress constantly. This could be using drugs or an addiction of some sort like gambling or even eating disorders. Just anything that is honestly self-destructive behavior. I think if you struggle with something that, that's clearly a self-destructing behavior, trying to limit those things or eliminating them entirely is extremely important because you truly cannot live a happy and healthy life if you are still practicing something that's so destructive to your physical health or your mental health. One specifically that I want to highlight on just for this episode is alcohol. I'm not going to sit here and say and shame people for drinking alcohol or say you should never drink alcohol ever, ever, ever. I would be the worst person to sit here and say that. I have obviously drank alcohol in the past. I do drink alcohol from time to time socially. I just graduated college. I was in a sorority. So if that, I mean, tells you anything, I'm no saint when it comes to, like, I'm not going to sit here and say I've never drank alcohol. But I do want to, like, highlight how bad it actually is for you because I think a lot of people don't realize the impact that it actually has on your body and your mind. Um, So basically, alcohol is empty calories. And I will explain what I mean by the fact that alcohol is empty calories in a minute. But alcohol also kills bacteria. 
obviously. I mean, it's used, there's different types of alcohol. The alcohol that we ingest is ethyl alcohol. It's the only one fit for human consumption. But there are other types of alcohol that are actually used for cleaning and disinfecting things, rubbing alcohol and stuff like that. But when I say it kills bacteria, it also kills the good bacteria in your gut. And when I mentioned earlier that you need to be taking probiotics because it's good for gut health, that is the type of thing that alcohol is killing. And it kills the gut, uh, the bacteria in your gut and it causes a lot of problems. It causes um, leaky gut, uh, it could cause bloating and just overall digestive health. It could completely destroy your digestive lining. Also, I know for a lot of people, the reason that they take it is because it does provide them a sense of temporary like happiness and feeling like you can let loose and relax. In those cases of socially or casually drinking like a few glasses of wine to make you feel more relaxed after a stressful day, there's definitely clear benefits in that momentarily but long-term hangovers result in anxiety, lead to feeling less happy without alcohol. So kind of a dependency on alcohol for feeling happy also can cause more stress and it can make you feel lazier because the next day you may wake up hungover and that's one of those times when, like I mentioned, you are not having real happiness if you do not feel like getting out of bed. That definitely be a result of drinking alcohol, over drinking. I am a biology driven person. I'm a chemistry driven person. I was um, got my degree in chemical engineering. I actually was one class short of getting a biology minor. I was pre-med for my first year of college and then I decided to drop it because I realized med school wasn't really the path I wanted to go. But I say all that to say that I've taken a lot of classes in biology and in chemistry and it's always been something I've been extremely passionate about. And it's the way that I like to explain topics by using biology and chemistry. So something that I want to present to you guys because it's one of the ways that helps me understand it and the implications of alcohol. So I want to kind of break it down to the chemical level, the biological level, and explain the impacts of alcohol now. So alcohol is both water-soluble and fat-soluble. So this means it can pass into all of the cells in your body with no resistance or pushback, and it can impact all of the cells in your body. That means it is very damaging because it can damage every single cell in your body because it is water-soluble and fat-soluble. And like I mentioned before, it's only ethyl alcohol that is fit for human consumption. Despite the fact that ethyl alcohol is fit for human consumption, it is still toxic. And because it is toxic and it's a toxic chemical that's being put into your body, your body recognizes it and says, hey, this has got to be converted into something else in the body. So NAD is what is used in your body to convert alcohol, and it first converts it to acetaldehyde. Acetaldehyde is poisonous. Acetaldehyde kills your cells and destroys your cells. That being said, that's got to be converted into something else as well. So the NAD comes back in and it also converts the acetaldehyde to acetate. Acetate is not bad and is not toxic, toxic and it's not poisonous to your body. Um, and your body actually can use acetate as a fuel source. But the thing is, the NAD to NADH ratio is what's happening and working properly in your body in order for um, this process to work, like this metabolic process of getting alcohol to acetate. Um, so say that ratio is off in your body and you can't convert the alcohol to acetaldehyde to acetate quick enough, you have the acetaldehyde building up in your body, which like I said, is poisonous and it is causing a lot of damage, especially because this process is occurring in your liver, which by the way, your liver is awesome. We have very powerful organs in our body. Our body is one of the most impressive things ever. It can convert and process things very quickly and very effectively. But when this acetaldehyde is building up in your liver and it is there and it is exposed to it over and over and over again. So when we're talking about people who are drinking alcohol every single day, multiple times a day, having, I can't remember what the recommendation for alcohol is, maybe one to two drinks a day or something like that. So say you're having 
five, six drinks a day, something upwards of 30 drinks a week. You are getting repetitive exposure of acetaldehyde to the cells in your liver. I hope that that helps you to realize how destructive that truly is because I know you hear all the time, oh, alcohol is bad for your liver. Someone, this person I know is having liver failure because they're an alcoholic. I, I just hope, I, I don't know, for me, it's most impactful to hear things broken down into a biological or chemical level. And the thought of having something that is actually poisonous to our human cells being exposed over and over and over again to the cells in our liver, acetaldehyde that is, is terrifying to me. Um, anyway, long story short, sorry for my spiel on that. But when you ingest alcohol, you are putting a toxic chemical in your body that's converted into an even worse poison. And some of that is converted into a form of energy that you can use to generate ATP, which is the acetate that's the final product. But some of that, the acetaldehyde, is temporarily in your body and it is completely killing yourself. Let's talk about uh, some of the more noticeable implications of alcohol and not necessarily the long-term things. It is empty calories uh, because that process is very, very metabolically heavy, like a lot of uh, metabolic energy to go through that process of alcohol to acetaldehyde to acetate in your body. And there's no real nutrient value in that. There is no vitamins in alcohol. There are no amino acids. It can't be stored for later energy use that is actually beneficial for your body. Even though I said that acetate can be used to generate ATP in the body, which we do need energy sources. Um, like I mentioned earlier when I was talking about nutrition and I talked about the need for carbohydrates and fats for energy. Actually, I don't even know if I mentioned that, but it's important for energy. Anyway, acetate can be used to generate ATP, but even sugar is a far better fuel source than acetate for uh, being used as a fuel and an energy source for the body. So that's what I mean when I say that alcohol is empty calories is that there is literally no nutrient value from it and it's extremely damaging. I could definitely hit some more on other things that I would consider destructive decisions and destructive behaviors and the idea of like limiting those. In another podcast, I can talk more about maybe like my thoughts on smoking or pretty much anything that I listed off whenever I mentioned uh, limiting destructive decisions, but I wanted to really hit on alcohol for this episode. Like I said, I didn't say all that to tell you stop drinking or I'm, I'm shaming you for drinking. I still drink from time to time, but I think it's important to know what that process actually looks like in your body and how it's impacting you so that you at least are able to recognize when you're making that decision to drink alcohol, whether it be socially or to reduce stress in your life and just kind of relax after a long week of work or something like that. I think it's important to not just glorify it and think, oh, well, it makes me feel great, so I'm just going to drink it because there are negative impacts to things like that. So just to recap, my six main points of the things that you should be doing to create healthier habits and live a healthier lifestyle is improve and increase your movement and exercise, increase your hydration, prioritize your nutrition, get sufficient sleep, get sufficient sunlight each day, and limit destructive decisions and behaviors. So that is all that I have for this episode today. This might be kind of long. It actually is probably going to be a little bit longer than I expected this episode to be, but um, I thought it'd be a good idea to get my first real episode out there to kind of be just about why you should prioritize your health and how to do it. I hope that y'all enjoyed this one. I have a few things planned. I think I actually have my episodes planned for the rest of the month, but if you guys have suggestions for what y'all want to hear more of on the podcast from me or like ideas for a topic or suggestions for people that maybe I should bring on just let me know I don't know if there's like a way to comment on the podcast page but you can always send me a dm about anything sometimes instagram does filter my dms and hides them and I forget to check the hidden requests 
I check those like maybe once a month. So if I ever don't respond to your DM, it probably ended up in the hidden requests. But you can always DM my coaching Instagram as well because I, I think I only have like 100 followers on there. I will always see DM on my coaching Instagram. So if there's ever anything important, just wanted to put that out there for people who listen to the podcast. My main Instagram is Heather L. Grimes and my coaching Instagram is Heather LG Fitness. But anyway, thank y'all for listening in. I really enjoyed doing this podcast. Let me know what y'all thought about it. And I am so excited for the future of this podcast and to see where this goes and to get some people on to come and talk about things. Some people that maybe are more qualified than me to talk about certain topics so that y'all can just get like a variety of information from different people and different sources. Hope y'all have a great day. I need to, uh, let me go get my keyboard so that I can play the little signing off jingle real quick. (laughs)